Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to Drunk Art Review, the place where anyone from teetotal to blind ass drunk is welcome to give their honest opinions on all forms of art. Today, we delve into the world of tattoos, which, to be honest, is a truly fucking cool part of our history and present day cool shit. <laughs> Though I might be biased on that. The faux pas and taboos surrounding what tattoo culture is has changed drastically over time, from being forms of protection to desire to sacredness and self-expression to the darker sides of branding and marking someone forever to denote something horrific or shameful. In this episode, we talk to two tattoo artists in the field and have a few submissions from you guys telling us about your own tattoos. First up, Listen to us chat to Shanice Bramwell, a tattoo artist from Norwich who specialises in nature, animals, and fine ass pet portraits. <laughs> so, to quote the all-time babes of BuzzFeed Unsolved, let's get into it. It's really cool. We have a really awesome tattoo artist with us, Shanice Bramwell. Hi. Hello, my lovely. <laughs> it's so good to have you on. We're so curious, like, you know, whereabouts uh, are you tattooing and how did you come into it? So I am currently based at this gorgeous little studio um, in Norwich, just down the lanes. Uh, it's called True Love Tattoo. I basically, well, I've been there... I've been tattooing since around April 2019, so around two years now. Well, obviously with COVID and stuff, it's been a bit put down, but, <laughs> but I've been where I am at True Love since October in 2019. And that's where I kind of feel like I really got a more solid start in the world of tattooing and kind of started to experience a bit more. I came and saw Shanice quite soon after you started at True Love Tattoos as well, hadn't I? Yes, you had, yeah. I think you were potentially in the first couple of weeks that I was there actually so that was really good fun. I was still finding my feet a bit and getting used to everyone there uh, but it was great anyway yeah it was really cool to tattoo you. Oh thank you. <laughs> right so tell us a bit about your background and what kind of got you into being a tattoo artist what made you want to become one? So it was actually completely by accident which is the weirdest thing to say um, so I've got a degree in illustration I studied at Norwich University of Art uh, and I graduated there in 2014. Uh, ooh, I've just realised how long ago that was. <laughs> um, and to be honest, I genuinely did not think that I'd have anything, any use for it afterwards. I've always been really creative, so it was just a hobby. Um, so from there, I did the typical kind of graduate thing and just, I worked retail for absolutely ages and just kind of worked on drawing and anything artistic in my spare time uh, just as a hobby and then I got a job in this really beautiful little independent business uh, and we sold jewellery all things sparkly and it was a really lovely shop to work in but the coolest thing about it was we actually had a piercing studio downstairs uh, so they trained me to pierce, which I really enjoyed. I just loved the client interaction with that. And then from there, really, just a light bulb kind of just went off. And I was like, hold on, I can combine these things that I really, really love doing. And it would make me so much cooler in the process. Um, I had no tattoos at the time, so I didn't have an idea what I was doing or what I was getting myself into. But yeah, it, it just kind of went from there, really. A lot of, a lot of tenacity, a lot of drawing. Uh, 
a lot of just meeting new artists and just chatting to them and paid off eventually for me, which I'm really fortunate for. I remember you saying when I went to come and get my first tattoo, because I'd waited sort of until I was nearly 30 to get mine, and you said yourself, like you just said then, that you'd waited quite a while to actually start getting tattooed as well. Yeah. Is there a reason that you waited that long, or is it just because you suddenly had this newfound interest in it, do you think? So for me, I think I'd wanted tattoos for quite a long time. Um, I was always a bit a bit uncertain of how other people would kind of view tattoos and stuff. I've always been really artistic, so I'm quite open like that anyway. But my partner at the time wasn't a particular fan of tattoos. And it was one of those things, and it sounds really stupid to say, but I, I definitely let that sway me more than what it should have done. That sounds very familiar to my story. <laughs> No, I I think that can happen quite a lot. I mean, especially, you know, when we're younger, we're finding our feet and we're trying to find the directions that we love. And even if we want tattoos, we're like, well, you know, will I be able to have this on my body for the rest of my life? But you get to a point and you're just like, no, I know myself. I know what I like. (laughs) You kind of just dive into it. Yeah, definitely. Once you start, it it kind of just spirals from there a little, to be honest. (laughs) I know it's just like Jenny like I um I didn't get any tattoos until I hit like 29 yeah and then suddenly I had like seven um and I mean I would have had more by now because of you know COVID mm-hmm. and all that but <laughs> to know that I have more on the horizon I don't know this it's just it's a wonderful concept to be able to uh, paint your body with things that you love yeah definitely I think one of the big things for me as well actually I should probably mention I absolutely was completely needle phobic um I pass out if I have blood tests or injections or anything, and it still happens to me now. But I think a big part of it was seeing that I didn't do that when I was piercing other people, and when I'd had piercings myself, I was a bit like, okay, maybe I could do that. So I was really, really cautious of the pain. I mean, this is always my advice to people getting tattoos anyway. Just start for something nice and small, start for something on their arm, and then you realise it's really not as bad as what you think. To be honest, my first tattoo wasn't exactly small, and I had it right on my bum. Oh, you brave cookie. (laughs) To be fair, I I didn't really mind it that much. Um, That's good. It just gets a little bit, I think towards that sort of third hour, it just feels a little bit tender more than anything. I think it's everybody's own pain kind of tolerance. Yeah, definitely. You expect like these big tough guys to come in, but sometimes they're the biggest wusses, bless them. (laughs) Honestly, the men are the worst. The men are the worst. (laughs) It's so funny, when I got my first tattoo, it was a hand poke one, so, you know, it was a totally different experience. Yeah, definitely. Getting it. And uh, I, it was just in a home studio, and I totally fell asleep when she did it, um, which I find amazing. It was just, it was so therapeutic to have done. Yeah. But I do think I have a, I've discovered this weird sensation with tattoos. It's almost like, because there's such a juddering and a, a vibration through your body, it's almost a little bit euphoric, painful euphoric, but um, not that I, you know, delve after the pain I'm just <laughs> I've noticed like when I've had it it's um it's kind of a little bit transcendent when I get it done I guess yeah I think most people they forget the pain but then as soon as they get in the chair they remind themselves and like oh hold on a minute I remember this that happens to me all the time <laughs> so what kind of style of tattoos do you produce um and tell us what the inspiration is behind your work um I think well the style that I do in general is it reflects my personality quite well, I think, and it's just, it's quite feminine. Basically, you've got all things floral and pretty. Um, I love tattooing birds and animals. I love giving them little characters and oh, I just love anything wildlife like that. And with that being said, being out in nature really inspires my work and, uh, and Taylor Swift, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I'm super keen to get into more colourful, vibrant work as well. It's definitely something that I feel I need to work up to a bit though. So I think my overall goal is if I can tattoo in the style that I draw my pet portraits in, I will be over the moon and there are so many technical aspects to get there and I'm learning them as I go along, you know, as, as silly as it sounds, I still feel quite fresh to the industry. There are people that had this as their career for, you know, got over, over 60 years and 50 years and it's just insane that people still stick with that for so long. Yeah, it must be tricky when you're, I, I mean, I can't imagine how you go about that process of like learning I see some like the realism tattoos sometimes and I'm just like how do people do that with a needle it just fascinates me like trying to learn that process because I know you um work with Emma is that right still she does that yes I do tattoos yeah yeah she does those kind of tattoos and it just like I look at them sometimes and I'm like, how do you ever get to that level? It just like, blows my mind. That's insane, isn't it? I mean, I stand there watching her work sometimes and I, I'm so lucky that I work with her because she is one of the most generous people with just giving me hints and tips as well so I can pick things up myself. But she's she's great in the way that she never gives too much away and she's always like, play with it yourself a bit, you know, and see how, because everyone's style is different. Everyone's going to tattoo differently. And if I expected my work to look exactly like hers, then I'd be really disappointed with anything I did. So, <laughs> um, I mean, the bonus for me as well, having worked in a few different studios in Norwich, is I've worked with some really great artists and they all tattoo completely different, completely different styles. They have their own way of doing things that they've learned. And I think that's really, really important as a tattooist to do things that feel natural to you rather than sticking to it has to be done this way and it has to be done that way. I think that's really important and it comes across as much more genuine in the work. Yeah, definitely. That's also the draw, forgive the pun, <laughs> uh, when you find an artist and a tattoo artist that you love, you go for their artwork, you go for their technique. Um, you, you don't necessarily go just to have a specific idea. You find the artist to suit you. Yes, definitely. Uh, I Honestly, I'm so humbled by the amount of people that come to me and it, it just blows it really does blow my mind that people want my artwork on their skin it's something that I don't think I'm ever really going to get over it completely blows my mind every time and I'm so grateful I love meeting new clients and I love chatting away to people and finding their stories and stuff I feel like it's just a lovely aspect of the job and that's something that I've really, really missed in lockdowns is that social aspect of it as well. It doesn't get said enough, but tattooing is a community. You know, even down to the studios, you're obviously, you know, learning from each other, yeah. you're talking to clients, you're in each other's lives, you're spreading your artwork into other people's lives as well and they're carrying it, you know, into the world. Like, it is such a community and it's lovely when you can feel that connection with people, I think. Definitely, yeah, completely. Uh, sort of, I mean, this isn't on our list of questions, but I am curious, have you ever taken part in, talking of community, have you taken part in one of the, um, like, the expos for all the tattoo artists? Oh, the conventions. So, I've never actually, no, I've never done one. Just the idea of it still seems really intimidating to me, but I'd love to definitely go along to a few. There's one in Manchester um, called the Tattoo Tea Party, and I'd really love to go along to that eventually. Um, I've been to a few of the local Norwich ones when they were on, and they were really great, uh, really great to just meet new artists and stuff. 
But other than that, the London Tattoo Convention actually, unfortunately, has just stopped running this year, which is a shame because that was a really great place to go and just mingle and meet new people and stuff. But that's ceased running this year, which is a massive shame. But there's so many out there to go to. And if you are just interested in the world of tattooing at all, I definitely recommend them. I adore going to any kind of art conventions, to be honest, but I've never been to a tattoo one, so I can imagine that being like so cool. I mean, I'd, I'm very much a person of just getting a tattoo on the day, yeah. so I'm sure I'd go up and be like, oh man, I love your stuff, are you free? Yeah, let's do one. <laughs> I mean, most artists have time for walk-ins, but honestly, in advance as well, they book up so quickly at these conventions, it's crazy such high demand isn't it I think when you know that an artist that you've been admiring online is going to be there in the flesh and you can actually go and talk to them people must it's almost like having your own fan base I think some of them are kind of treated with celebrity status some of the very high profile tattoo artists aren't they yeah definitely yeah so Shanice do you think there's still any assumptions about women working as tattoo artists and women who get tattoos so actually bringing back to what we said a minute ago in Norwich we are so so fortunate to be surrounded by the most incredible female artists and mm. they are all so ridiculously lovely and supportive as a community as you were saying it's it's a really um just a really supportive vibe and just I feel like I can go to pretty much any female artist no matter the studio that they work in and just start up a conversation with them and that's lovely because I think a lot of people believe there's some kind of rivalry between a lot of um, between a lot of tattooists and stuff but um, I can tell you hands down the female ones in Norwich they're lovely um, as well as a lot of the guys as well so I'm really grateful to have that community because there definitely are still assumptions about female tattooists mm. From my experience, though, they mostly come from the older men in the industry that still really struggle to keep up with the progression, which is sad to say. I mean, tattooing was a completely different scene for them when they first started out. So it must be so weird for them to see how it's evolved. But as for women getting tattoos, I think because there are so many different styles out there and so many different artists offering amazing work that there's just something that can reflect absolutely everyone's personality, which is great. Uh, I'd like to think that tattoos are no longer seen as kind of a butch symbol um, in women, but I think ideally like they should just be seen as a form of expression and artistic nature. I think that's just me living in an ideal world to be honest. There's still definitely people out there, again unfortunately mainly the older generation that just don't approve of tattoos and are um, so against them, but I think they're definitely becoming more acceptable now, especially on women. Mm. Yeah, and I think I totally agree. Like the the amount of different expressions and uh, talent and and sort of identities that people can adopt with these tattoos on themselves, I think that is becoming more represented. With the world becoming bigger <laughs> in the eye of like you know the public, yeah. you know more people are being seen, so it's more acceptable for people to be entirely themselves instead of having these like stereotypes. And you know I feel so much more myself having these tattoos. You know I feel more more feminine, oh, more strong, yeah. yeah. All of these wonderful aspects of myself, I get to like represent on my skin through like connections with other people. Like it, it's amazing. <laughs> I think the lovely thing about tattoos is every single one of them has a story. Whether it's literally, I saw that design, I thought it was cute, or whether it's something much more meaningful. It's you can still like I can walk up to anyone with a tattoo and just ask about it and there'll be a story behind it somewhere you know yeah it's a constant talking point definitely <laughs>
So, I mean, going on from that, who are some of your favorite tattoo artists like currently working in the industry now? Oh, wow. Uh, gosh, there are so many. So, uh, oh, I'm completely in awe of um, Penelope Tentacles. I think that's how you say her name. In Her designs are so magical. And I've actually got a portrait of me and my bunnies by her. That's one of my most treasured pieces of art. Um, she's based in Australia. So, unfortunately, I've obviously not had the chance to be tattooed by her but her work is just so whimsical it just makes me smile every time sammy jones tattoo in chester does some of the most beautiful artistic colored roses i've ever seen one of her prints up as well it's so it's just so vibrant and lovely to look at it's really inspiring as a piece of work as well phil garcia i watch so many of his tutorials he does the most soft beautiful roses just in full color they're, they're great and he's just a fountain of knowledge as well his tutorials are just really interesting to watch and give you so many tips it's great that's another amazing thing though um you know a lot like today now i'm seeing so many tattoo artists you know especially like yourself doing uh, prints that people can buy yeah so you know even if you can't go physically to see that person to get a tattoo you can um you know connect with them through owning their artwork and you can have that up on their wall so it, it's like you can commit to the artwork without having to have it on your body if you can't get there yeah definitely um I think particularly over the past year, obviously, having that extra kind of outlet for artwork uh, in the form of prints has been really, really helpful and it's, it's kept a lot of people above water as well. That feeds quite nicely into our last question because we were going to ask you if you could tell us about some of the other design and the artwork that you do besides tattooing as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so, in honesty, I basically never stop. <laughs> Don't worry, same here. <laughs> Over lockdown, I've been working on digital pet portrait commissions and loving every second of it. Some people's pets just completely steal my heart when I'm drawing them. Oh, they make me go so gooey. Um, I really like to capture their personalities in my work, so by the time I've finished a piece, I've also imagined this entire storyline for this pet oh. <laughs> and all their stories and what they like to do and where they like to sit and all sorts of stuff so i'm pretty craft based too so as well as doing all the digital work i've been experimenting with resin a lot over the past year too i've been making um, homewares and gifts and jewelry it's basically non-stop i'm making paint palettes at the minute which are really good fun with pressed flowers they are beautiful i've seen them the entire process is just really inspiring so i go out during the day and i hand pick flowers and then i press them and then obviously wait a few days and then I work them into a resin design and the, the finished products just always, um, they always symbolize a lot more to me than what they actually physically are just because I was so involved in the entire process of it. It's, it's a really good fun. I'm always looking for something new creatively to try. And of course, you know, going outside, you're talking about, you know, connecting with nature. Yes, yeah, This is just another way of doing that, which is so lovely. I think that's that's one of the bonuses from the past year, obviously. We've had plenty of time to go out and explore a bit more, and I've been out there drawing flowers nearly every day, picking them and stuff too. Yes, it has been a really inspiring time, actually. It's nice to think that a lot of positivity has come out of the past year, as well as, you know, all the downsides of it. Yeah, I'm totally behind that idea. The, the amount of things I've been able to creatively discover about mm. myself, just having all this time, has been really... 
a wonderful way of finding contentment. Yes, definitely. But also being able to find, you know, your paths into the future. Like, I don't know, things have just settled in your mind and you're like, wow, I know where I want to go. I know the kind of things I want to make mm-hmm. now. I'm totally on the same uh, wavelength as that. That's it's just it's been exactly the same thing for me. <laughs> it's weird to see like to look back to a year and just see the progression in my work as well. It's it's I think as artists it's very rare that you actually stop and you reassess where you were and you think of all the things that you've learned and you you haven't actually noticed yourself learning them but you see improvements you know with every piece that you do <laughs> it, it's so crazy you saying that i'm just like absolutely <laughs> honestly um this time last year um, i mean so much change has happened anyway you know i, I mean i miss i myself moved to london yeah. lots of change and um just the difference of the caliber of work i've done and I don't even know how the transformation happened mm-hmm. but I love it and I'm so happy with it and I you know I'm I'm excited to take that further into a world where we are being able to actually interact with each other again <laughs> yeah exactly it's you know there's so much more potential there as well now it's it's really exciting oh so um I mean for all of our wonderful listeners who are tentatively listening to everything we say where can uh, everyone find you? Main place is Instagram, which is Shanice.Bramwell. I've been contemplating for so long because the amount of ventures that I kind of have off of tattooing, I've been contemplating setting up different profiles for each one. But actually, I think what a lot of people really like about my profile is the fact that it combines just a big mesh of life in general you know there are pictures of my everyday life there are pictures of my rabbits on there and there are pictures of my work and my resin Um, and one of the first things clients always ask me is how are the bunnies and (laughs) that is so nice because it just instantly makes me feel comfortable so anyway sorry side note but yeah my instagram is shinny.bramwell i think that's great having um that being able to uh, personally connect with someone and then show themselves as their authentic self online. Yeah. It's just a massive draw and it makes people really want to get to know you more and feel more comfortable coming to see you and sitting in the chair and being tattooed. You know, so yeah, like put more pictures of your bunnies up. <laughs> I love the bunny updates on your stories. Oh, they are. They're, it's obviously that's been a massive bonus as well, spending time with those guys over this past year. It's been lovely. <laughs> And I can, I can personally attest that Shanice is a brilliant tattoo artist. I have two of her tattoos on my body and I've already told Rosie that I've sworn that left thigh is now dedicated to birds from Shanice. When I'm thigh, thigh. how lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Saving that leg for you. But, you know, the, the studio you work in is lovely and it's a really comfortable place to go and get tattooed. So I definitely recommend it. Ah, oh, thank you. Emma and Smalls, um, the guys that run the studio, have been working so hard to make sure it's all revamped and looking beautiful and ready for when we come back is i really appreciate all their work on it it's looking great oh well i'll definitely come uh, for a tattoo like i say i'm i'm up for anything so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely if you've got a day off just drop me a message and i will make the time <laughs> This super short and sweet audio is from Jack Bowden, a musician living in London, who subsequently seems to casually cover all the songs I love with absolute fucking edgy grace. (laughs) 
So I'm not sure if this is the right way to send these, but I saw your um, story, so I thought I'd send over. I've got a couple tattoos, a couple, <laughs> times that by a couple, four. Um, so basically I'm one of those terrible songwriter people that write songs, um, and I wanted to illustrate the songs the best I could um, and as tattoos. Um, so I came up with little ideas like, first one I got was a door over my like chest, well heart area right on the left side um, and that's because I have a song called Heart at the Door um, which is it was my way of illustrating it and yeah I absolutely love them I've got some on my arm as well that are for different songs and yeah feel free never to use this okay I guess it's um, my time to discuss my own tattoos. <laughs> I don't really know where to begin with explaining my tattoos, except that I hit 29 and suddenly I have nine of them at 30 years old, <laughs> three of which I handpoked myself. I know it sounds extreme, but huge changes were happening in my life, let alone the whole world. I guess I finally accepted my spontaneous, art-saturated nature, accepted who I was and what I liked. It was always the never going back from marking yourself forever that froze me before uh, into never considering it. But saying yes, it felt like I was celebrating who I was, taking ownership of it, and at the end of your twenties, it couldn't have been a greater gift to myself. Many of my tattoos have been decided within a few hours, <laughs> or even within minutes of getting them. Like this hand tattoo I did a few days ago. And even that, I never thought I'd have a hand tattoo. But sometimes trusting your gut instinct, pushing those self-made barriers, and that flow, it carries you in a direction you want, guided by something as intangible as a thought just saying yes. I fell asleep during my first tattoo, gashed my leg on my way to another, nearly passing out, tattooed myself over video call, decided on the day I was getting another, and have taken artwork I adore from artists and history, both present and old. Benini, James Jean, Haku the Dragon from Spirited Away, and soon to be Goya. Each one allures to what I love or find beautiful deep connection to yourself with also the spontaneousness of adopting something new without overthinking it. This relationship of freedom and trust I have with myself is why I have tattoos. It's complex, but beautifully simple. Each tattoo is joy. Hello, Jenny here and it's my turn to tell you about my tattoos. I didn't start getting tattoos until I was about 29 and then in the space of a year and a half ended up with six. My first two were beautiful bird pieces that I had done by Shanice Brownwell who is actually one of our guests on this episode and my plan in the future is to keep getting birds added to that leg until it becomes an encyclopedia of avian knowledge. I've also got a beautiful sphinx cat tattoo on my right arm that was done by the lovely Sammy Mids. And then about a week later, and funnily enough, the last day that tattooing was allowed before we went into lockdown in the UK, I had a tattoo done by Smalls of True Love Tattoos in Norwich. 
This one was pretty special to me as it serves as a memorial piece to my father who I lost to cancer as a child. It's a multicoloured graphic stag's head in reference to the logo of his favourite football team, Watford Football Club. If you watched our live, you'll know that me and Rosie both purchased stick and poke kits from Heartpoke and ended up doing a video called Tattoo Date where we tattooed ourselves while we were chatting. I ended up drawing a one-line rose on my ankle, which turned out pretty neat, and after that success I tried another one on my wrist, which is a lyric from This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Yes, it's a cheesy film, but I love it. Around the time that I first saw the film and discovered the soundtrack, I was going through a really tumultuous time in my life. An eight-year relationship had ended, I was having to get myself ready to sell my home and move counties, looking for a new job, and all while dealing with this sense of dread that I wasn't good enough and undeserving. This song in particular became my anthem, and it seemed fitting to have a line from it on myself. And it was something that I needed to look at sometimes to remind that I was a badass and that I could do anything. So as cheesy as it may be, don't really care. And I'm probably going to end up with some more stick and poke tattoos because why not? It's fun. I'm enjoying the process. And I've got a couple more booked in. So yeah, just going to keep getting covered in ink really. Next up is my brother Anthony. Drunk art enthusiast himself. <laughs> Don't you love a supportive family? Listen to him discuss the meaning behind his own tattoos, which are pretty impressive. So, um, my tattoos. Um, I guess technically I've got three. First one was, it was a design idea. I had it done when I was, oh. 16 I think it's like a little thing on my shoulder I was so proud of it I thought it was the coolest thing ever and I kind of so my approach to tattoos because it was I know when I had some one of the further ones done the guy asked if I wanted it covered up but for me it's I didn't want it covered because it is part of kind of the history if you like of what I've had done but I wouldn't call it particularly artistic or anything like that but at the time I thought it was really cool uh, but I was young my second one is lyrics from a song that uh, was, yeah. So I had it, I had it in Cyrillic or well, in in Russian Cyrillic script. But obviously, I don't speak Russian. I don't have any Russian um, in me because I thought it looked good. I thought it was, it was the I like the um, I like the way it looked. Um, and it says uh, "Hand of the Devil," which is which are the lyrics to a particular song. Is actually when I, uh, ironically, when I guess, I guess ironically, when I got married, it was our sort of first song, or it was the lyrics in our first song, first dance. Oh, I do like the song. Obviously, I'm, you know, that that, <laughs> that marriage is now ending, but um, yeah, I like the tat. I do like the tattoo, and again, it's part of what I was then, which is part of me, you know, and it is I do see it as. They are, you know, they are scars. They're, in my mind, pretty scars, if you like. But then, you know, they were the only ones I'd had. So I had the had the devil done just after I got married. So I'd have been 25 when I had that. Then I'd I'd wanted a big piece for a while and wanted it in uh, monochrome. So definitely wanted it black and white wasn't into colour I'd seen a lot of, seen obviously seen a lot of colour tattoos and didn't really want those and was struggling to find a kind of theme and it was it was just something that was in the back of my mind just you know I wanted a good good story 
and I'd gone through, you know, I've, I'm fascinated by the Beowulf story and Boudicca and all of that kind of stuff. Those sort of elements of history. And then I, I stumbled across the Inferno, which is the, uh, which is, so Dante's Inferno. And I know that, I mean, it's, it's a hugely influential piece of literature, which, again, written by Dante Alighieri, who was an Italian influential writer. Uh, he was considered the father of the Italian language or the modern Italian language. Very, very influential. Very kind of sort of tragic, really. His life, he, he'd fallen in love with Beatrice and... They were never together. He was exiled from Florence for some of his political views. He was quite a quite influential guy. But um, the Inferno fascinated me of the way it describes hell um, and the people in it and all of that kind of yeah. It just it you know read it read it a number of times. At that time, I was flying a lot, so the job I had meant that I was flying out to. You know, Far East, Middle East, yeah, so lots of time in Southeast Asia, and which meant I spent a lot of time on planes, which meant I had a lot of time to read. So I'd I'd read Inferno, and I read it a number of times. Don't know how many times I've read it now. And every time there's something new in it, and I I, I didn't have it wasn't the tattoo wasn't really there until I came across the Dore illustrations. So they were etchings. Uh, done by Dore hundreds of years after the Inferno was written but they were perfect they were the tattoo that I wanted um, it was a story and um, yeah so that's where that came from and so then the search was on for a tattooist and you know I spoke to a number of people who just didn't didn't want to take it on because you know what I ultimately what I wanted was quite complex and it meant taking the uh, the illustrations and converting them into a tattoo, making them all work together. And then I came across a guy who um, who said, "Yeah, he'd give it a go." So that's where that started. And it, it was I, I don't know how many sittings I had, but I used to have just an hour every two weeks, I think it was, which I had for oh god, must have been eighteen months, two years. And yeah, the process the process of tattooing I loved and learning the the different ways that you're affected by it or the way that you affect it as well so I remember a time I went I was hung over I hadn't eaten I was not in a great way and it was the most horrendous the most horrific session I'd had then you know having I remember having my elbow done not a problem my armpit even not an issue because I myself was well hydrated I wasn't hung over I'd eaten well and I, I used to take food as well but the, um, I'll never forget, uh, <laughs> I'd, I was having, I'd had my forearm done. It was kind of the back side of the forearm and I was picked up. So I used to have cars come pick me up to take me to the airport. And I was picked up from my tattooist on a Sunday to have my, to be taken to the airport. And I'll never forget the mo one of the most intense pains I've ever felt. I was walking onto the plane, having like at the airport redressed it because i used to wash it after an hour or two and i always used vaseline um, i found that anything else kind of affected the surface affected the healing so i'd use vaseline anyway i'd gone to the you know gone and sorted out at the airport and as i was getting on the plane there was a woman getting on behind me and she i don't know what she did 
but she obviously had quite the nails on her. She rate, obviously just raked her nails up the back of my arm. <laughs> and it's basically on a fresh wound. It feels like a burn. And it was the most horrendous pain I could have cried. It was horrible. But she, she was very apologetic. Um, but, but I find tattoos used to, certainly used to, I used to get a lot of conversation about it. And, you know, traveling in, you know, I mean, I went to Pakistan, went to, you know, spent, spent time in China, Korea, South Korea, that is, um, Indonesia, you know, all of these places. And, you know, the, the, I mean, Pakistan, I kept it covered because I wanted to be, you know, my, my approach to international travel is to be respectful because while your views might be different to theirs, it's respecting the fact that that's their views and that, you know, whilst I consider myself to be right, they do too. And it's me that's there and it's their culture and all of that. So I do, I, you know, I did tend to keep tattoos covered, certainly in in places where it could could be offensive. You know, I know sort of time in Dubai, even in, in Istanbul, when I was over in Turkey, I keep tattoos covered, visiting mosques and things like that. You want it to be, certainly want to be respectful, but I'll never forget being on a train. I was in a train in, I think it's in China, and I was holding on to um, the, uh, I was holding on to the, the little handle that, that sort of sits above. And of course, I'm, I was generally, you know, I'm six foot two, so I'm, I was generally taller than everyone on the on the train. It was, it was rammed. I remember they just being bodies pressed against me. It was a bit like that, and I was just holding on. And there was a guy. I just noticed out the corner of my eye, this guy kind of looking at me outside of his, you know, kind of outside of his face, and. And kind of surreptitiously, without even looking at me properly, kind of raised this camera, took a picture, and then the camera very slowly <laughs> dropped down. It was really funny, but uh, yeah, that was one of my one of the memories I have. But yeah, you know, I used to it used to definitely be a feature of conversation at um, you know wherever I went. Really, not so much now. Actually, I know tattoos have become much more popular, and of course, I'm not travelling out that way much anymore. But yeah, definitely, I know that going to you know whenever wherever I went, if you go to a bar or a restaurant or whatever, you know people would comment on the tattoos and the fact that again, you know, I do I do look very different to um, to sort of general people out there being ginger with a beard and tattoos and tall and quite big. And most of the time when I was in, certainly in, you know, most of these places, I was out in fairly, in fairly rural places as well. So I would, you know, at times have, you know, crowds of kids running after me. <laughs> it's just bizarre. But um, yeah, I've never, you know, apart from, um, I know Rosie, you know, you know, this, the, the story of the job that I nearly didn't get as a result of my tattoos. But apart from that, really, I've never had any real negativity towards them. I've had curiosity and I've had people say, you know, I, I wouldn't get a tattoo, but, you know. Um, but when you start talking about the theme of it and kind of what's behind it and all of that, actually people people are generally quite interested. And, you know, on the whole, people aren't... People will always judge on what they see. I do it. You know, everyone does it. You know, it's it's a... You can't really help it, but it's whether you, whether you realise that that's what you're doing or not. But, yeah, I think people generally generally it doesn't it's not a problem it's never never really been an issue for me i like my tattoos i like other people's tattoos some people's tattoos i wouldn't have definitely not but it's, it's a very personal thing one thing that does that that has in the past 
not got my back up, but kind of just made me think, well, you know, that's a bit strange. Is everyone seems to think that if you have a tattoo, that they have a right to express their opinion of it. And I think it comes from the fact that it, because it's art, you know, it is a form of art and people feel that, you know, with a, with a painting or with anything like that, they feel that they've got a, a right to have an opinion on, on a piece of art. And you should, you know, that's what... That's what it's all about. And, you know, everyone should. And it's not that I am offended when people, you know, people don't like the subject or don't like the way it's done or anything like that. But people can be quite, they can be quite opinionated, I guess, about tattoos and about how they look. And a lot of the time you hear, you know, or I remember hearing, you know, well, what's it going to look like when you're, when you're 80? And quite honestly, when I'm 80, I'm not sure I'm going to be wanting to show anything off, <laughs> let alone be worried about the tattoos that I've got. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just it's a very emotive thing. People do get quite passionate about it because it is something that's permanent. And it is something that is very personal, but something that's very visible as well. So, yeah, it's all good. Tattoos are great. At the moment, I, you know, I'd like to have more done. And I will have more done at some point. But, um, yeah, right now it's all about, yeah, kind of thinking, I suppose, about what I'd do next. I quite like to get a poke, poke kit and do my own um, or have someone do one for me, you know, just as a, a little amateur thing. But um, I do, in the future, I do want some colour. I do want some colour and tattoo. But anyway, that's that's my ramblings on uh, on tattoos. Hope it's helpful. Next on the audio waves to trickle like honey into your ears are words from lo-fi beatmaker and musician Numiji. Well, I got my tattoos to represent change. It just became something I do whenever I decide to take a big step in my life, like a reminder of that specific moment in the person that I am. And the reasons why I'm doing it are usually present in the tattoo itself. It's always a nice callback to something important to me. So it's always cool to be able to look back and know what was going through my head at the time and how much has changed. Like there's obviously a reason why my name written on my fingers is facing me and not you. And this specific music genre is written on me because it changed my life. Like maybe there could have been better ways to represent the moment I decided to just go all in and do the stuff I want to do. But, but it's my way I guess. And they brought me back a couple of times over the years and it still inspires me, so it worked. There's a couple more moments I want to capture though. Our last submission before we go right ahead and jump into our final interview of this episode is from Tim McCarthy one of the many awesome podcasters we've connected with over Twitter. His professional podcast voice kind of puts my vocal cords to shame. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Tim McCarthy with 20 Tim Minutes. It's a podcast that focuses on mental health through humor, insight, and personal stories. And I'm here to share with you three of my tattoos. The first one being of Buffalo Chicken. 
Now, it's probably not what you think it is. It's actually the head of a buffalo and the body of a chicken. Very silly, I know. But I am obsessed with eating buffalo chicken, so why not get a tattoo of it? So speaking of food, my second tattoo is that of a zebra cake. They are made by Little Debbie. It's a delicious snack that I'm also obsessed with, obviously. If you've never had one before, I'm sorry for you. So go to your local store and pick one up. If your store doesn't have them, get one sent to your house and eat the whole box. They're delicious. My third one means a lot to me. I'm very open about my mental health on my podcast with my bipolar too. So I got a bipolar tattoo on my chest that's very minimal, simple. It's a little smiley face that depending on which way you look at, it's either a happy face or a sad face. I was told never be ashamed of my bipolar and to wear it. So that's what I did and went and got that done. My tattoos were done by Cubs, AKA Mikey Dobes from Brockton, Massachusetts. You can find him on Instagram. Great tattoo artist. He gets better and better and does a lot of my work. I thank you and go out and get a silly tattoo. For our next interview, we were incredibly lucky to have the wonderful Will Langford, owner of Zen Tattoo Art and Beauty, join us. Unfortunately, due to a technical hitch and some seriously bad signal on my part, my voice couldn't be heard properly, so I had to communicate my questions through the text chat while we recorded. So apologies in advance for any confusion, but you will hear Rosie asking questions on my behalf as I type furiously like a chat box gremlin. Go with it. So you feel free to laugh in the background if you need. That's fine, <laughs> Jenny. If you appear at some point, that's fine too. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go balls in. <laughs> Standing for Jenny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who is this actually? This is Gabe, the body piercer at the shop. Oh, hello, Gabe. Hello. I'm really Jenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can be Jenny today because, um, unfortunately, Jenny is listening to us, but she's in the sticks somewhere. So, like, she can't quite talk to us right now. <laughs> so, it's just going to be me. Who's that? Who's, <laughs> who's trying to speak to us? I think she's trying to speak to us through the. I'm gonna, Jenny. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put you on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've done it. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read everything you t- you uh, write to me though, Jenny. So if you have any questions, I am gonna say them out. All right. We are with uh, William Langford, who is another tattoo artist that we want to talk to because obviously our theme this month is all about tattooing, and we want to have a little introduction from you. How long have you been tattooing? Where are you based? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I've been tattooing for about 10 years now. Um, I did it straight from school. I did I did art, photography, graphics, all that at school. I went straight into a tattoo apprenticeship from school. And that, that's about it, really. I've always been into art, but I was shit at everything else, if I'm honest. So uh, <laughs> I come to looking for a job that was either become an art teacher or Miami Ink was on TV a lot of the time back then. So I, I kind of <laughs> wanted to give it a go and my, my parents were up for me trying it. Yeah. That's it, really. I, I went around with my little portfolio to all the tattoo studios in the area for them to mm-hmm. growl at me and say no. Go, thank you for your time <laughs> and walk away. Yeah, that's it really. I've, I've got, my, got my foot in the door with one place and uh, now I own my own place. So that's it. You saying uh, with 
you know, not being good at anything else. Like, I'm sure you were, but I, I totally get it. I think that it's so beautiful to actually just like, okay, well, you know what? I want to have a creative life. I want to follow this. There aren't these rules or stipulations that you really have to adhere to. I mean, obviously with tattooing, you have to, you know, learn how to do it and learn the process, but you can be really free with your technique, I suppose, and really delve into that. Have you found that you've really pushed your creative side with tattooing? Yeah, I have. I mean, you're limited because I'm providing a trade for my clients and they'll ultimately dictate what I am and aren't doing. But Mm. some people will let me just go with it. I've never really done any oil painting or anything like that when I was, you know, in my A-levels and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I found the more I've learned outside of art, the more translates into art. So I've only recently been doing oil painting and um, there's so much there that could translate into techniques at work in the skin as well. So yeah, I am, the more creative I get outside of my job, the better my tattoos are, I think. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about how the technique for oil painting would really help and influence tattooing. But I mean, of course it does. I mean, I love so much fine art tattoos and just like the skill is amazing. (laughs) It's clever what people can do. Yeah, and looking at your work, I mean, it, it, you're really, really talented. Oh, thank you. But then, of course, we do have uh, Jenny speaking in the comments um, saying, damn you, Gabe, for stealing her spot. <laughs> Is that he's still wandering around? Yeah. Oh, lady at last. <laughs> he's, he's in the background. <laughs> Um, Okay, so let's go on to the next question. What style of tattoos do you produce and what gives your inspiration for your work? You mentioned the oil painting. Do you find that that Mm. really influences now? Um, Yeah, to to a certain extent, the oil painting inspires me. But I find I get a lot of inspiration from nature. Animals and plants and all that is my second passion. If I weren't doing anything with art, I'd be doing something with animals, I think. So I find a lot of that just naturally becomes part of the work. So I I love when people come in and want a portrait of their dog or just some flowers. I love all that. I try not to say I specialise in anything. A lot of tattoo artists prefer to focus on one thing for whatever reason and excel at that. They do amazing stuff, but they only really sell that service whatever style that may be i try and do a little bit of everything but i suppose i'm doing more black and gray realism and color realism nowadays which is i enjoy doing but it tends to be uh put like portraits and stuff people want a portrait of their nan or their son or their car you know sometimes yeah people tend to bring me a picture and i photocopy it onto them so to speak (laughs) which is an incredible skill we did delve into um the hideous tattoos out there of people trying to you know recreate photographic tattoos like on people and yeah it's heinous like what people (laughs) put on themselves (laughs) it's just like honestly like please just research that you know the artist and the tattoo artist that they're going to be able to do you justice because people spend so much money on clothes and cars and phones things that will break or grow old and these things tattoos last forever literally the only thing you can buy and take to your grave with you and people shop around for price and I find that quite strange a strange mentality to have I, I understand like there are tattoo artists out there that will rip you off they're not as good as their price tag but you know just that's why you've got to compare price to their portfolio and see what's out there you know have a little look around to have something as personal as a tattoo and for it to be artwork in itself and yeah true like you do you take it throughout your life it's a part of you it becomes a part of your life you shouldn't be worried about the price tag as much like if you want to invest in it save up do yourself justice but jenny did have a question did you ever have to do 
a cover-up of a really terrible tattoo. A, a lot of my jobs are cover-ups, actually, yeah. I say a good, good 50% of them. Really? Yeah. People coming back for cover-ups. I don't know whether that's the same for every tattoo studio in my area or whether people just come to me because they like how I cover things up. I don't really know, but yeah, I do, do a lot of them. I, I'm a little bit fussier with cover-ups, but I, I do do a lot. Maybe it's a Suffolk thing. People have lots of regrets. <laughs> it may well be. <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to make my cover-up tattoos look like cover-ups. You know, I don't like seeing people who've got a, what could be a nice tattoo, but there's a big black blob in the middle, you know, which doesn't have to be there. There are certain pigments. Uh, have you done much oil painting? I know you do a lot of digital stuff. Um, I did a little bit of oil painting uh, back in the day, um, but I mean, yeah, everything now is very, very much digital. Yeah, so you, you, you know like the opaque inks and the translucent inks and all that, or transparent inks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paint. yeah. It's, a, it's the same with um, tattoos, so some pigments are just stronger than others, you know, and so with cover-ups, you don't have to do a big black or brown or purple, or you don't have to do a big dark blob over the cover-up. There's, there's other, there's certain brands of ink or just certain pigments within a brand that cover up really well and they don't have to be just a dark blob in the middle of the design. I think the last post I put on my Instagram actually, I think I posted four videos and two of them were cover-ups, which I don't think you'd really notice. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. I think that that in itself is a huge talent to be able to work with what you've got and create it into something more beautiful, I suppose, and make sure that the person is happy, yeah. that they're not just getting some some like amazing bit of artwork, but just with this heinous thing in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I oh, just don't don't think about that bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's, that's basically what I think a lot of it is. They, they'll, I'll, I'll get the understanding of it. You try and distract the eye from the, the dirty bit, you know? So um, you this crazy wonderful stuff around and then just, yeah, stick a blob in the middle. But yeah, I try not to do that. And so Jenny was curious, she was like, what, uh, what's the worst you've seen tattoo-wise that you've had to cover up? Do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> when I was new into tattooing, I couldn't actually cover this up. I weren't confident enough to do it. But the worst I've seen was a bloke come in. He had a scarf around his neck and... Um, he asked if I do cover-ups, and I said yes, because I was doing some cover-ups, but at the time I hadn't tattooed many yeah. necks, because there's funny skin there, and I hadn't done many mm. cover-ups, you know, I weren't very experienced at all, so I was only doing things I, was, I knew I was comfortable with. And he took his scarf off, and he had a big black swastika on the back of his neck, and uh, <gasps> oh, I had to God. turn him away. <laughs> so um, I don't know if he found somewhere else to hide that monstrosity up or whether he's still walking around with it I don't oh know oh my god but yeah that that was Jesus <laughs> I, I was I think everyone in the shop was a bit shocked to see that when he took that scarf off that's a statement and a half yeah. and to have something so aggressive somewhere where you can't really cover it up either you obviously had some belief yeah Ooh, wow just branding yourself like that so visibly for other people to see and then changing your views on life and everything yeah i, I assume he realized you know and become a better person or whatever i, I assume that's the reason you wanted it covered up because he knew how shit it was and how horrible it was mm -hmm. but yeah oh, that, at the time I, I wouldn't touch it i don't know if he went somewhere else. that was like you know the film american history X? yes you know the thing he had on his chest that was, like, that was like that big solid no wonder he had a scarf there was no hiding it under a collar of a shirt or anything it was big oh my god i can't even imagine mm. that just sounds so horrible yeah and so tragically skinhead british as well that mentality yeah. of thug mentality and i oh, i just it's not not nice it's just everything about oppression 
when tattooing to me and I think to so many people is all about liberation yeah. tattooing is about being yourself more than you could imagine because you're getting to display the work that you love you're sharing your soul on your skin essentially so to have a swastika soul not great yeah obviously that was one part of his life in the past I did feel a little bit bad from that he, he might have changed you know and wanted to make a change and start fresh maybe I don't know yeah, no idea. He obviously had a nasty streak at one point, didn't he? But um, apart from that, I'm trying to think of other things. It's usually just drunken mistakes, drunken tattoos that I cover up. <laughs> All our old boyfriends and girlfriends' names. And <laughs> we had um, we had one guy in. This wasn't my customer. It's another the other tattoo artist I worked with. I had one guy come in, had his partner's name tattooed on his wrist, across his wrist. And then he come in a few months later, got her name covered up with a rose. And then a few months after that, he come <laughs> in, had the same name tattooed large down his forearm. A few months after that, come in, got covered up. And then you see him again for the last time. A few months after that, he had her name big across his shoulders. Jesus. <laughs> that sounds like a very tumultuous uh, relationship, very back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he had three girls with the same name, I don't know. Yeah, no idea. This makes me think of that show. I'm not sure if you watched it. Just Tattoo of Us. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, they get two people to like choose a tattoo for each other. Yeah. And some people have like dumped one another with it or done like a full bra across a guy's chest. <laughs> so nasty. Yeah, I know. It's so cruel. Imagine pushing people to do that to each other. <laughs> and like if you're, you know, friends and you know that you would do something yeah. beautiful for one another. Yeah, yeah great. But I mean, it's purely train wreck oh, TV. Yeah. So that's probably why. I enjoy watching <laughs> <laughs> On to the next question. Do you think there's still any assumptions or misconceptions about working as a tattoo artist? Um, and what advice would you give to someone looking to get into the industry? I think as far as assumptions, I think there is still that old school mentality of the hairy biker, roughy toughy, lad, 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 <laughs> kind of thing going on. I think a lot of yeah. tattoo artists kind of like that you know there is some magic to the old school how it used to be sailors and thugs kind of thing you know all the loud things. there's something <laughs> yeah. magic about it but um and a lot of people try and hold on to that you know for the look and the style whatever and i think some of the outside of the tattoo world people still remember that and think that's how it is but then you've got the other end of the scale where you walk into a studio and it's like a, a dentist you know it smells of disinfectant you know there's, there's nothing you feel you can touch in case you dirty it you know so um i think there is still there but it's maybe the older generation still think that is a bit rough and tough but for the most part it, it's and there are still them studios about like i say that aren't just doing it for the fashion they, they are just haven't moved with the times i guess but um i think tattoos always progressing and i think the the idea around it is always always moving on but at the same time it is a self-regulating business and it is easy to be a tattooist. It might not be easy to be a good one, but you can literally buy a machine online and call yourself an artist. There's no qualifications or proper certificates, you know. So I guess it, you know, I know in years to come, it could fluctuate and go downhill again and start to become more roughy-tuffy backstreet or it might progress and become a really luxury thing. I don't know. Um, at the minute, I think the idea of it, I think tattoos are common enough to see, especially in the summer when everyone's like got short sleeves and everything. I think they're, they're, they're normal enough to see around in this country at least that it's just becoming better and better all the time yeah i do think they're definitely being more normalized because um more people are getting them like people in higher positions and you know every aspect of our society
society are actually enjoying the idea of uh, adorning themselves with something that they like. And Jenny's just written, uh, she was like, well, she and I did uh, stick and poke because we, we got these uh, hand poke kits <laughs> um, and we both did our own uh, tattoo um, over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, cardinal sin as that is to tattoo yourself. But um, I mean, I quite like mine. Mine's very meta and very cliche. It's art written backwards. Um, so I can see it in the mirror and it's just written in crappy writing. <laughs> <laughs> She's done two now and hers are both beautiful. One's in her own handwriting on her wrist. But on the first one she did was, is on her um, ankle. Um, okay. And it's like a line rose. I mean, we're, me and her, we're both artists anyway. But I mean, this is the first time that we'd ever done a tattoo for ourselves and I, I really enjoyed doing it like I, I would, I'd like to do more <laughs> I was just about to ask um, what advice would you give to someone looking to get into the industry um, yeah as far as advice anyone getting into tattooing I think at one point like the way to get into tattooing is you had to know the guy that had the tattoo machine you know that's you couldn't get online or whatever but no, you know, it, it couldn't really be easier, to be honest. I always say, well, when people come to me for an apprenticeship and stuff like that, they always bring a, a folder of tattoo designs they've drawn. And it's always skulls and daggers and hearts and flowers and little dragons and stuff like that, which, which people still get them. <laughs> the traditionals. Yeah, but I think skulls and roses, you know, they're, they're timeless. You know, people will always get them. The style might change, but the, the subject will always be the same. I always tell them, don't come to me with tattoo designs because I'll teach, I'll teach you how to do tattoo designs. You've got to think in three dimensions, how it's going to sit on the body, how different different people's bodies change, you know. Yeah. I always tell them, just bring a portfolio of actual artwork paintings you've done drawings you've done photography see so i can see how you use lighting and things like that just be an artist have fun with it and a tattoo style as such will, will evolve from what you enjoy doing anyway i, I turn a lot of people away i, I just think that's best because otherwise people end up all doing the same stuff don't they you know skulls and roses i think there's so much more out there you can literally get anything <laughs> you want tattooed on your people always come and say what do you think i should have and i think well what do you want <laughs> I, say, I like quite macabre stuff like, like it's your body yeah i like creepy things i like skull <laughs> church windows and stuff and they go oh no i don't want that I thought, well, you tell me then <laughs> you know i understand because if you're not artistic you might not be able to see imagine what it's going to look like without seeing it in front of you so I get why people ask me, but at the end of the day, like, I need some information. If you like cars, get a car. If you like bird watching, get a pheasant. I don't know. You know, literally, you can have anything. People paint anything on canvases. Do the same with your body. Literally anything. I think that's one idea about tattoos that people still have. They, they still think it needs to be part of the trend or part of the, what they already know. People love pocket watches. You know, like they've been around for years as well. I don't know when they started, but I've done so many like Victorian-y looking pocket watches, all gilded and engraved kind of thing, black and grey realism. And I've done so many of them at one point. I was just, I'm going to try and do different timepieces to sell to people. So I drew some like um, vintage stopwatch designs, you know, with the little digital lock. I've done some sundials and timers, you know, anything I could think of to do with time, I've done them because people get these pocket watches for their kids' time of birth or whatever. I thought they're going to have a sundial all nicely engraved mm. with their kid's name on it or something. Yeah, that's lovely. I But um, everyone's saying, like, well, why would I get a sundial on me? I thought, well, why are you getting a pocket watch? But yeah, pe people, you know, they've seen it on Google, their mates got it, and that's what they want. They, they can't imagine otherwise. Which I get, it's fair enough. If you're not, if you, if you struggle to imagine, you struggle to imagine. So, 
Mm. Yeah, I think people get an idea in their head and they can't shift it. Yeah. So they're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to get that. And even if they see other ideas about it, you know, it's not about finding an artist that you like the artwork of. It's like, no, 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 I want that specific thing. Yep. And it doesn't, doesn't matter who does it. They're just going to make that, you know? Jenny says... Um, Pocket Watch is a very steampunk, which mm. I definitely get. Um, but she also asks, have you ever been to any conventions at all? I haven't done loads, but I, I do enjoy them. A lot of them, um, I've been to Dublin, Scotland, Belfast and Clacton. <laughs> they're, they're the ones I've worked. I, I usually go to London convention. For me, I tend to, I don't go there to earn money because you've got to pay money to work them. And I think if I'm paying money to be, I understand the whole idea of earning money there. But if I'm paying to be there, I want to have fun. So I, uh, we were talking about this earlier today, actually. So I tend to just bring a group of mates with me who will do a few tattoos and party for the rest of the time there. So. <laughs> well, I think that's what conventions should be about. Yeah. About networking with other people and yeah. having fun and like seeing other artists that you really want to get to know. Yeah. You know, it should be about that and a celebration of it. Definitely. <laughs> Jenny's like, she wants to go to one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think um, London Tattoo Convention is usually down to tobacco docks. I don't know if it's going to be going on anymore or not. I don't know what's happening with the whole lockdown thing. I don't know how, how much damage that's done. I think someone said that that one's been cancelled, yeah. I think. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Shanice said it's been cancelled, which is a shame. Uh, yeah. Um, so hopefully maybe like another one will uh, take its place. Yeah, hopefully so. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, you should definitely go to the London Tattoo Convention. It's whenever it starts up again, it's loads of fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I live in London now, so it's a proper easy little jaunt for me to come. And obviously Jenny would de definitely just come stay with me. But talking about conventions, I mean, that leads on to a really good question, which is who are some of your favourite tattoo artists who are currently working in the industry? Um, there's quite a few. I'm rubbish with names, so I don't know how long my list is going to be for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the, the images of their work in my head. But, um, there's an artist in America <laughs> called Nico Hurtado who I looked at his work even when I was at school still before I even contemplated doing it as a job. His work is absolutely amazing. They look like oil paintings, what he does, you know. And I think he's tattooed some guys from, he tattoos celebrities like One Direction. I think some guys from them tattooed And uh, I know The Rock got his ball covered up on his shoulder by him. I think that was him that done it. Yeah, so Nico Otado's definitely up there. He, 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 if you haven't come across his work, he, he's done a back piece of like Little Red Riding Hood with the, she's holding up like a lantern in the dark and there's a wolf behind her. And I remember, looked at the first session, because they obviously get done in diff different sessions. And he started that when I was in school. Yeah. I see a picture, it was just Red Riding Hood's face on this person's back and like the outline of her hand holding the lantern. I think it was a good few years into my career as a tattoo artist where I actually see it finished <laughs> so I'm not sure how long it actually took him but he did spend a lot of time and that was amazing I love that though like to see the progression of tattoos on a person you know as they sort of get better and better yeah definitely well if you, if you think how long a canvas might take you you know there's no different no no reason why a tattoo won't take as long you know people spend years doing paintings especially like the great old da vinci and michelangelo and stuff you think how long they must have i know but um there's a another artist freddie negretti he was one of the old school masters of the trade bringing black and gray work but he, he basically brought it out of prisons and onto onto streets he, freddie negretti you need to look at his work he's very good wait was he in prison doing tattoos um i'm not sure i don't, I don't know the history of it i to be fair, back then, I wouldn't be surprised if most people doing tattoos had done time. <laughs> Just everyone was in the prison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you, have you heard of, um, you must have heard of 
So the jury. Of who, sorry? So the jury. You need to look at his work as well. He, he got called Hori Smoku by the locals. He'd he, he, uh, he done a lot of old school tattoos because he was from back there in that era. But um, he was actually... Yeah, so the sound was dude screwed and tattooed. So people people would go to Hawaii or wherever he was. They'd, they'd get pissed up. They'd go see the local prostitutes or escorts, whatever, and then they'd go get tattooed by him. And um, he he used to tattoo like the pinup girls, the Hawaiian girls. He tattooed monkey bent over on the belly button. That's one of his tattoos. Now I'm remembering. Yeah, I can I can envision them now. <laughs> I think there was one of his designs. There was a couple pigs fucking. Yeah, he fucking he, sorts. <laughs> You know, he's done. He does done some amazing things. <laughs> and crazy Philadelphia Eddie. He's another one you got to look at. Oh, okay, yeah. What kind of stuff does he do? He's same sort of thing. Same similar era. So like all the old pinup. The the reason Sailor Jerry stuck out so much at the time, I think, is because where a lot of them were sailors and military boys being tattooed. Jerry had done time in the military yeah. himself, so the stuff he was drawing, where he done like, there's another design he done where he done the two propellers from a warship, where he'd do them on people's ass cheeks. <laughs> So, um, but he he'd seen them, you know. He 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 knew what they looked like, so they're a lot more correct rather than just people doing it from their imagination. He'd he'd experienced it all. So when people were getting mm. stuff like that tattooed on them, it was a yeah. bit more accurate. That reality does make a whole lot of difference when it comes to making something a replica of something, doesn't it? But it also sounds like there's such a, a wonderful humour with his uh, tattoos as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's probably a few documentaries about Sailor Jerry. You know, I think you definitely be able to find some find some information about him. Uh, crazy Philadelphia. Eddie. You need to find. I think there's one I watched with Philadelphia Eddie, and you need to listen to his voice. That bloke's got an amazing voice. And whenever you hear his name after listening to him, you'll hear his voice. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, uh, I love a documentary, so I'll go and investigate and we can share them on the Instagram feed as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, tell us, can you tell us uh, about your other design work, actually? Because there's obviously like a really super cool project that you're doing right now, which I'm actually a part of, which I love. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a passion project I started in the first lockdown to stop myself getting bored i guess i always used to enjoy collecting like the the fantasy trading cards and stuff like that i've always been into fantasy games and things like that i don't think i grew out of them but i don't know my interests changed and i found whenever i was meeting up with my mates who were playing like texas hold'em and stuff like that instead i was trying to figure out which why i chose or why that happened, why we started playing different games. So um, I kind of tried to think of a game that sort of works both ways, and um, the game mechanics are still being thought out. But yeah, so it's a fantasy trading card game. The artwork's a little bit more... I don't want to say adult, because it makes it sound creepy or pervy. Believe me, when it comes to saying something's adult, I am very much of the opinion that that is absolutely fine, it should be owned up to. Adult does not mean sleazy. Yeah, it's not, not not necessarily a sex thing, but like like the artworks. I just, I just don't, don't. I wanted less restrictions on it, you know, because I was looking at some of the cards I used to collect as a kid. It just all seemed a bit tame. Like the language was obviously, well, it was obviously for kids, weren't it? So language was tame. The artwork was tame. You know, it's all very safe. I'm, I'm trying to keep it in the realm of like uh, medieval fantasy kind of thing. While at the same time, I, I kind of want to throw in little some aliens and some steampunk and you know make it a little bit crazy here and there so so there's different factions or different different families within the in the card game so i'm trying to think of if it's set in medieval times where things may have been a lot more religious than they are today i'm trying to think well were they gods and angels or were they extraterrestrials and stuff like that so you know it's kind of 
that whole um, history channel after 10 p.m. where all the crazy documentaries come out. I love those documentaries. <laughs> you know, godlike or celestial being, I'm kind of implying that they might be alien <laughs> you know. But uh, it's still early days. I'm still working on a few things. But yeah, that's, that's, um, that's the idea. Yeah, no, I mean, as soon as you sort of messaged to sort of tell me about it, I was just fascinated with the idea me and jenny have done quite a lot of role playing uh in, in the past and i mean i love rpgs mm, like they're yeah. the most fun thing and to have that combined with like card games and make it mature and adult and you know grown up is wonderful because you're bringing your your childhood and teenage enjoyments to the present day to the timeline that you have now i think there's nothing wrong with revisiting those parts and like making them more adult i think it's going to be great and of course I'm gonna do some I'm doing some designs for you so I'm very excited for you to see those <laughs> well, I'm excited to see them yeah, just trying to create different I, I want it to be so there's different ways to play the game as well which like I say we're still trying to figure out the game mechanics but I want it to be if there's a group of people the same sort of mechanics as Texas Hold'em when it's one for you know one against each other you know you're all fighting each other or maybe one against the rest of the group or you know or teams so i want there to be multiple different ways of playing the game which my there's me and two other people working on it so that's that's one of their jobs i'm just doing pictures and i think um well the, the other reason i kind of started getting into it is because as you could probably tell by me trying to set up this chat i'm not that great with technology <laughs> and um, I bought myself an iPad trying to get into the digital art and uh, it's a bit of an experiment and I, I like I, say, I like all the fancy stuff so I try and draw an elf or something you know I can't remember what I was trying to draw and um, I was rubbish at it <laughs> <laughs> I'd always kind of digital art is easy it does it all for you and then I touched it and I was immediately humbled. You know that meme which is like, um, you, sh you show like a really well done digital picture mm. to your mum or whoever. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. And then you show like, like a really crappy, like actually drawn picture. And they're like, it's amazing. Yeah. Cause you do, you have this, people have this idea that digital work mm. just like creates itself. It really fucking doesn't like. <laughs> and I mean, that's my main medium. Like. I, you know, I've had to, I've spent years like trying to figure out loopholes and it's this wonderful, wonderful rabbit hole of trying to figure out things. But yeah, you get lost in it and there's so much to try and learn and understand. Yeah, it took me a little while. I ended up subscribing to loads of tutorials and stuff, trying to figure out what, what am I doing wrong? Why is that doing what I want it to do? So I just read it, Jenny's thing. <laughs> I know. I mean, for for the people listening, uh, Jenny literally she couldn't connect properly, so I had to mute her. <laughs> um, and so we we're just having a chat box of her like saying multiple things, and then of course uh, Will was saying how he's not big on uh, tech, and she's like, at least you could connect. I have no hope. Technology is evil. Also, I think one of my merch pieces should have uh, should have screw you, Gabe, on it. <laughs> If he's still there, who he's knows? Um, and so thank you, Gabe, for giving me the inspiration, but also screw him for stealing my spot. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> she, she's having fun listening to us uh, having the interview, but she literally can't say anything. <laughs> um, but I mean, so 
how can people find you? Like, tell us how people can connect with you online, because I'm sure you have a website and everything like that. Like, well, how best can they, you know, you can find you? Find me on my website. Um, I think it's zentattooart.com or something similar. Probably best to Google it, because I don't remember properly. Um, <laughs> You can find us on Instagram. You're so relaxed about it. You're just like, you know, it's somewhere. <laughs> I'm a rubbish businessman. <laughs> well, someone else set the website up for me, and I, I don't think I, uh, I think I've looked at it like twice. It's, it's on there. It's somewhere. It's online. Yeah. So there's a website you can Google Zen Tattoo Art. We're in Stowmarket. You can pop in and see us. We're on Instagram and Facebook. You know, e easy enough to get hold of us. We're, we're on Google. We're online. Well, I mean, I really want to come visit at some point when, you know, I can actually go home. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're allowed in just to chat. I know, yeah. Otherwise, it would just be through the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a sort of a... Actually, it would be a bit like Jenny. Like, I, yeah. I, I would be Jenny in that scenario. I would be miming through the window. <laughs> <laughs> you just be having the conversation inside we will we'll share of course um some of your awesome art as well and um how people can find you on our instagram oh lovely thank you but, i mean <laughs> it's been really really fun uh, having you on and it's been great to sort of listen to how the, the relaxed idea i think of just appreciating real art i think with with, with you know bringing that to the table when it comes to tattoos that's what i want i, I want to do actual i don't want people to think of it as, as tattoos because that, that's got its own niche now lots of skulls and daggers it's just artwork it's just artwork on a different canvas a canvas that will swear at you when you hurt them. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is Thanks for tuning in to this month's main episode of Drunk Art Review. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the art and history of tattoos this month. And of course, for more content and to see everything we've discussed in this month's episode, head on over to our Instagram and Twitter, at Drunk Art Review. We'd like to take a moment to shout out two super incredible and important initiatives currently working in the UK. Firstly, the Shades Tattoo Initiative, who are working to build a safe space to educate and showcase the work of black and people of colour working as artists in the UK. And secondly, Tattooing Sexual Abuse Survivor Support, also known as TSAS, which is a survivor-led safe space working to raise awareness and prevent sexual abuse in the tattoo and piercing industry. It is important that we continue to raise awareness of racism, bigotry and abuse in all areas of art and design, and we would encourage anyone who has ever been affected by these types of incidents to reach out and get the support they need. Again, thanks for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Thank you guys so much for coming and listening to us waffle on about some tattoos. Drunk Art Review, of course, was created, hosted and edited by me, Rosie Alexander and Jenny Kemp. All sound design was free sourced. And if you ever want to get in contact with us, just feel free to message us, DM us, send us a pigeon over Instagram, Twitter, or even in our emails. Which I believe is drunkartreview at hotmail.com. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Thank you.